0: Hello, sweethearts. Thanks for joining me today on Love Letters 2, the daily podcast dedicated to wonderful and unexpected things. In today's episode, continuing through our month of first times, it is a love letter to Mary Polly Phelps, the person to patent the first bra. Tired of the uncomfortable and unattractive results of the corset, Phelps decided to take matters into her own hands and develop something that was more comfortable and flattering. She went on to live a surprising and intriguing life full of colorful characters and events. Along the way, she left her mark on the literary and art world as well. I'm Alicia Mintz, and I invite you to join me today for this love letter to Mary Polly Phelps, coming to you right after a brief word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil. Now streaming. Only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. Alda. the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... Dear Mary Phelps, it's part of our everyday life. It's something that helps us look better and more importantly, makes us more comfortable. However, most of us never give any thought to how it started. We probably remember our own first bra, but the vast majority of us don't know anything about the original first bra. It all started with you, Mary Phelps, a young woman born in 1891 in New Rochelle, New York. You were called Polly because your mother was also named Mary. You were from an affluent family and spent your time going between your estates in Manhattan, Watertown, Connecticut, and New Rochelle. You were also fortunate enough to spend a lot of time overseas. Polly, you were even one of the debutantes presented to King George V in 1914. Your lifestyle gave you many occasions to dress in fancy gowns. You, like all other high society women of your time, wore a corset, which at the time was stiffened with whalebone and a restrictive covering. During the 1910 debutante season, while getting ready to attend one of the many debutante balls, you really didn't like how the corset flattened your large breasts and forced them together into a single mono bosom. We know this today as the uniboob. Your dress that evening was a sheer gown with a plunging neckline. Polly, you remembered the corset cover as a box-like armor of whalebone and pink cordage poked out from under the gown. Unhappy with the look and feel, you called your personal maid Marie and told her to bring you two pocket handkerchiefs, some pink ribbon, and needle and thread. And then you developed the first bra out of handkerchiefs and ribbon you weren't the only one who noticed the difference. Many girls asked you after that dance how you were able to move so freely. And Polly, well, you told them what you had done. Word spread quickly and many of your friends wanted one just like yours. When you had a request from a stranger offering you $1, you were smart enough to realize your little invention was actually a viable business. And that's how the very first bra came to be. In 1914, Mary Polly Phelps, you were granted a patent for your backless brassiere, becoming the first person to patent a bra in the United States. You described your invention as well-adapted to women of different sizes and said it was so efficient that it may be worn even by persons engaged in violent exercise like tennis. Another comment you made about your invention said it was, Delicious while still pressing down one's chest, so the truth that virgins had breasts should not be suspected. Polly, your version of the bra was very different from the ones that are popular today. It was soft and gave little support, but its metal-free design was ideal during wartime because there was a prohibition on corset construction during World War I. Ribbing needed to be used to build battleships instead. You opened the Fashion Form Brazier Company in 1922 to produce the brazier, which was basically your average sweatshop. Before making a great deal of money on your backless brazier, you sold the patent to Warner Brothers Corset Company for $1,500. This is roughly $40,000 in today's money. Warner Brothers Corset Company went on to make over $15 million with the patent. In the 30 years after purchasing it, you might have sold just a little too soon. Although you are no longer involved with manufacturing bras, the industry was just getting started. In the 1930s, the term brassiere eventually was shortened to bra. It was in 1932 that letters of the alphabet were used to correlate to bra size. The 1940s impacted the history of the bra as well when World War II required many women to join the workforce and military. The idea of a safety bra was first introduced with several companies starting to require a bra as part of their dress code. The Lockheed Corporation had a policy that bras must be worn because of good taste, anatomical support, and morale. Some materials had to be changed due to rations and shortages. The 1940s was also when the torpedo, or bullet, bra began. Howard Hughes created quite a stir with his movie The Outlaw. He constructed the cantilever bra for Jane Russell to wear in the movie, and soon women everywhere were trying to emulate that look. Each decade since the first patented bra has seen changes that reflect the culture and societal norms. But you, Polly, inventor of the original design were an incredible character who went on to live an exceptionally colorful life. After divorcing your first husband in 1922, you married Harry Crosby, whom you met when you were supposed to be chaperoning him and another lady on a date to an amusement park. Unfortunately for the other lady, Harry quickly fell in love with you and the two of you scandalized blue-blooded Boston society when you ran off together. You and your new love married and moved to France, where you fit right in with the glamorous crowd of American expats living there at the time. Not surprisingly, you had a very active social life, an open marriage, and embraced the artistic and bohemian lifestyles. You once described your decadent lifestyle during that time by saying that you and Harry drank oceans of champagne and used opium, cocaine, and hashish. Harry decided that the name Polly really didn't fit your elegant, theatrical, and decadent lifestyle and encouraged you to change it. After he initially suggested Clitoris, spelled with a Y, you eventually agreed upon Caress. Notably, you did later name your dog Clitoris with a Y. In 1927, you and Harry founded Black Sun Press, and set up a shop on the Rue Cardinal. Black Sun Press published early works of authors who later became famous, including Henry Miller, D.H. Lawrence, K. Boyle, James Joyce, and Ernest Hemingway. The Black Sun Press was a perfect vehicle to publish both your poetry and the sonnets Harry wrote for you. You were very close friends with Max Ernst, the surrealist painter, and he agreed to provide the drawings for your books. In 1928, wanting an escape from the city, you two restored an old mill north of Paris and called it La Moulin de Soleil, the Sun Mill. Never boring, you kept many exotic animals, including a cheetah and a python, in keeping with your extravagant lifestyle and choices. After a scandalous affair with a 20-year-old he named the Fire Princess, Harry was found dead alongside his girlfriend in a New York City apartment. Your free-spending, champagne-drinking flamboyant lifestyle was over. Koresh, you continued to live in Paris, and in 1932, founded the Crosby Continental Editions Paperback Company, where you published Hemingway, Faulkner, Dorothy Parker, Henry Miller, and Anaïs Neen. At this point, you had already proven how adventurous and plucky you were, but you stepped it up a notch when you briefly worked as a pornography ghostwriter. Your longtime friend, Henry Miller, was commissioned by an Oklahoma oil baron to write pornography for him, but Miller felt he had no more good ideas. So he asked you, Caress, to help him out. And you turned out pages and pages for that Oklahoma oil baron who was very satisfied with your work. In your later years, you split your time between a plantation in Bowling Green, Virginia, your apartment in New York City, and a home in Washington, D.C. You also opened a gallery of modern art in Washington, D.C. You really were an impressive and enterprising lady. You had frequent visitors, including Salvador Dali, Ezra Pound, and many of your lost generation friends from Paris. You became an activist and founded Women Against War. You started an artist colony in a 15th century castle in Rome. In 1953, you wrote and published your autobiography, The Passionate Years. Caress Crosby, you died on January 24, 1970 at the age of 78 from complications from pneumonia. In your obituary, Time Magazine described you as the literary godmother to the lost generation of expatriate writers in Paris. Over the course of your eventful life, being the first person to hold a patent for the modern-day bra doesn't stand out as much as it might have otherwise. In fact, most of us have never heard your story or name But the next time we think of a bra, we should all remember it was patented by a young debutante who was trying to avoid the unsightly uniboob who went on to live a lively and action-packed life right up until her death. Here's to you, Mary Polly Phelps, also known as Caress Crosby. Your invention helped women all over the world look and feel better. Patenting the bra was only one of the incredible and noteworthy things you did throughout an improbable life lived to the fullest. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Love Letters 2. Until we meet again, darlings, stay in love. Thanks for listening to Love Letters 2, a Hemlock Creatives production. Feel like showing some love to Love Letters 2? We'd love it if you tell a friend or leave us a kind review or even come and visit us on social media. You can find us at Instagram or Facebook at loveletters2podcast. You can also reach out and email us at loveletters2podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at loveletters2podcast.com. Until we meet again in the next episode, darlings, stay in love.